Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today I'm going to cover Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nerari. This is book 28 from my 2023 reading list. Well, it's July, which means this is my break month. I have started reading through the great books, and I'm in the midst of that great books project. I expect it to take many years, but uh, I... Every March through June, I'm doing kind of a semester one of of these great books, just reading from the oldest to the newest. And then in July, I take a break and I and I pick up some of those books that are, that pile up on my to be read pile. And then I I go back in, jump back into the great books for semester two, beginning in August. So I'm in this break month, and I've been reading a lot of different fun books, and uh, it's been it's been a real pleasure. And this was one of the books that was on that pile, and I bought it last year at Landmark Booksellers in Franklin, Tennessee. And I I think I judged the book by its cover first, which apparently you're not supposed to do, but I've, I've found some really good books doing that. And the artwork on this book is just fantastic. It, it is so beautiful, very well done. And then after you read the book, it makes so much more sense because you see these little images that show up throughout the book. So uh, but then after that, I started hearing other people mention the book and, and saying, this is a really good one. You should, you should read it. So when, uh, the stars align in that sense of like, I'm, I'm seeing the book in a bookstore and then I am hearing other people mention it, maybe mention, mention it on social media or even in person, just, Hey, you, you need to pick this one up. Uh, that, that sparks my interest in, and I usually will pick up a book if, uh, if I've heard it mentioned a couple times from different people. Uh, and, and, and then the other thing that intrigued me about this book, it was the title of everything sad is untrue. And on just a basic level, uh, it's kind of an, an intriguing title, but I, I also knew that it was a reference to something that was in Lord of the Rings. And here is a quote from Daniel about that section. And Sam thinks maybe all the sad parts of the adventure will come untrue now that this one has. And the beautiful part is that they do end quote. So, I, I knew there was something going on. I, w- I kind of thought at first that maybe this was a nonfiction book, just in the sense of like, you know, here's here's how to make sad things in your life untrue, kind of more from that angle. And uh, and again, I, I hadn't heard heard about the book deep enough to know if it, what it what it was, other than just the 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 title and the um, the artwork. And so that's kind of at first what I thought, maybe like a self help type of book. But then someone mentioned it was a novel. And, and then on the front of the book, uh, the tagline is a true story right under everything sad is untrue. And then here's what the author says in at the very end of the book in the author's note. Uh, it says, this is my life as I experienced it. And it is both fiction and nonfiction at the same time, end quote. I thought that was brilliant. And you see that throughout this book. There, there's kind of this blurring of lines between fiction and nonfiction, myth versus what actually happened. And I'll get into that later in this episode, but it made for a very enjoyable book. So it is kind of hard to pin down though, uh, of, of, is this a memoir? Is this fiction? Is this nonfiction? And uh, I think that actually enhances the, the experience. So this book is a series of kind of little vignettes that tie together 
and they tie together beautifully. And, and oftentimes they'll tie together with like a word or a phrase. And, but that's all within this larger narrative of what's happening. And so the larger narrative is that Daniel grew up in Iran and became a refugee and moved to Oklahoma. So you're getting kind of his early years and in, in that, that experience. And there was a whole lot of tragedy within that experience. There was a, also a lot of really neat things, a lot of, um, a lot of joy, I, I guess, amidst all of, all of this, of, of this pain, but just, uh, that, that process of, of, of leaving Iran, uh, it was not under favorable, uh, circumstances and then moving to Oklahoma, a place, you know, just kind of in the middle of nowhere, so much different from, from where he had grown up. And, and so he talks a lot about that. So that's kind of the larger narrative, but the stories throughout are just brilliantly put together and they tie together. And then, but they also, there's themes that kind of tie throughout the whole book. So there's these, these kind of minor themes, but then major themes as well. And what I liked is he, he would address you as the reader. And so it, it, it made it so that you felt like you were having coffee with him. Like he was just sitting across from you and he was telling you his story, but inviting you in, in a way that, you know, and, and this is, this is how it was like. And, and dear reader, you, you, you know, how you know how this feels, right? Uh, so kind of that type of, of feel, but it's really cool. I mean, you just take a step back and you think if I'm going to write a memoir, what, what form would that take? Would, would I just straight tell the story and, you know, how would you go about that? And so I, th I thought about that a lot. I'll, I'll talk about that later, later on as well, but kind of this idea that from Tim O'Brien, uh, from a book I read the first year of this reading project, where he talks about two different kinds of truth. One is the story truth. And then one, one is the happening truth and, and kind of asking that question, which one is more true? So if, if you're fighting a battle and the the soldier tells you what happened and that's his story but it's you know it's from his his or her vantage point and and they're not seeing the whole picture whereas happening truth might be a journalist on a hill looking down at the battle itself and kind of giving the whole overview well which of those stories is true is it is it the soldier who despite not kind of seeing everything going on is telling you the smells and the and the fear and the sights and and the horror of the situation is that more true or is it more true the happening truth and so this book is it kind of goes deeper. It doesn't use those terms in terms of story truth versus happening truth, but, but there's a lot of that interplay in here of, of what is true. And, and there's a lot of talk of the myths. There's a lot of talks of talk of, of stories, but then his stories and how they tie together with the myths. Uh, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. The, there's also just, and, and I find this a lot with, with authors from other countries, there's just incredible insight into U.S. culture as well. So here's, here's a boy who grew up in Iran, and then he comes to a school in Oklahoma. And the way he talks about things, it's just, it, it just nails it. And, and I, I love that. So some of the, the myths and other stories that are, are referenced in this book are the Shahnameh, Shana which is the Persian king story, and, and that's going to be on my great books list. So I look forward to reading that. But he 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 talks a, a little bit about that. The the biggest kind of reference point is the One Thousand and One Arabian Nights, and he t he talks a lot about that book, and that is also on the 
great books list. So I can't wait to to get into that one as well. A third book that's mentioned quite a bit is uh, Lord of the Rings. Obviously, the the title comes from that, and then also The Hobbit, which is something that that Daniel read and, and it, when he was young and had a big impact on him. As for reading stats, this is this is a three hundred and fifty one page book. It took me six hours and twenty six minutes to read it. That was over four days with 88 pages per day, July 16th through 19. And I finished it the morning of the 19th and I brewed some coffee, sat down in my reading chair and uh, just drank coffee and read it for two and a half hours straight. Like I, I didn't even get up. And I that that's when I finished the book. I just, it, so it was one of those books where it, once you get into it, it's, it's really hard to put down. It was a delightful book to read a lot of pain in there, a lot of a lot of uh, suffering, but a lot of good. And then just a lot of neat items. Uh, item is not the right word, but th- uh, neat things to think about through this, just in terms of life, storytelling, uh, friendship, family, all these different these different things. So I hope to get into that in the next segment. This episode, I'm just going to have two segments instead of the normal three. Uh, the, the segment I just did, just uh, intro to the book. The next segment, I'm going to cover some of the things that really stuck out and then just go right into my, my one thing, the one thing that really stuck out to me about this book. Well, let's dig in a little deeper into some of those things I mentioned in, in segment one there. Uh, this first is just this play of truth versus fiction, uh, kind of that, that happening truth versus story truth. And the first thing Daniel mentions is just the nature of memories themselves. And he says, memories are always partly untrue. And it's, it's troubling, I guess, to think about that. Of We, we want to think that the memories we had of particular events are true. But it's it's so interesting just to even hear siblings speak of the same exact event. Maybe it was a, a fight or or uh, some experience or a, a trip or, or something. And just to even see the difference in stories from, from the siblings who are both there, kind of from the same vantage point in, in the sense of proximity to what was happening. And yet there, there may be two pretty different stories in there. So just that that idea of memories are always partly untrue. So this is a book of memories from his childhood. And so he kind of puts that thought in your mind. And then and then he 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 ties a lot of his stories to either myths or just tells them and says, you know, this this what I'm telling you is is partly true. But I, I, I love that. I love that interplay because it, it, it forces you to think about your own memories and what, uh, what, what of those are we remembering correctly? What parts are we not? It's, it's really hard to tell. And the, the next thing he says on page 49, he says, you don't get to choose what you remember. And further on that page, he says, a patchwork memory is the shame of a refugee. And so that's something that, that pops up quite a bit throughout this book. And so he, you know, he's, He's he's in the United States now, but he he's kind of writing from the vantage point of of being in Oklahoma, and looking back at his time in Iran. And there's things he wants to remember. There's there's things he wants to remember about certain people, whether it's his grandfather or someone else in the family. And he just can't. He just it, there, there's there's like a block, and and so you don't get to choose what you remember. That for some reason you just remember some things and not other things. But then further to that. Being a refugee and the the trauma of that, the 
all that he says that the, the, a patchwork memory is the shame of a refugee. And so part of this book is just kind of also trying to piece these, these things together. Later on, he says, every story is the sound of a storyteller begging to stay alive. And the, the gosh, the, just the great thing of this book was, was this interplay of, of this, this idea of memories and stories and myths and how myths can even come up about members of your family. And, you know, you think of the myth of your grandfather and, and just how stories over time kind of evolve in, in different ways. And uh, so it, it was really neat in, in that sense. I, I loved it just kind of tying together a personal story with these myths. And it, it kind of brings the two closer together. These myths aren't just some crazy thing that are from back in time, but it's like, I can see how that that can play, and then just tying it together with with a with a kind of a modern life. Next uh, next item is a section that where he talks about the giant holes in our chests, and I wanted to read this. Uh, it's it's a somewhat long section, but but uh, stick with me here, and then I'll, I'll describe why I, I read this part. Then you can compare the claims they make about truth and reality that we all share, but also mostly ignore in different parts, which is why we can see the same things, but come to different conclusions about how to heal all our broken hearts, which we all have, which is such a big part of our lives that we don't even notice the pain of it. We're completely numb to it because it's constant. It's so true. It's boring, which is really our brains terrified, hoping to ignore the fact that we have giant holes in our chests. That's why everyone is distracted with TV shows and no one likes to talk about it. Our broken hearts problem. But we are going to have to talk about it soon, so gird your loins, reader. For now, here's a poop story to make you feel better, or if not better, then at least distracted. End quote. So this quote actually uh, covers a, a lot of things that are, are really cool about this book. One is just kind of going back and forth between these oftentimes humorous memories with something very serious. And and I would consider this to be very serious in the sense of we're, we're completely numb to this pain that we all carry, these broken hearts that we all carry, and then we have these giant holes in our chests. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, we know this to be to be true, and yet we don't talk about it. And then he talks about, you know, we numb it or we 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 watch TV or, or do other things to, to try to forget it. I mean, that's the story of so many of our lives, but I, I just loved how he, he, he just quickly delves into that and then kind of lightens the mood with, you know, here's a, here's a poop story, which there's a lot of those in, in this book, uh, which, which are actually kind of quite humorous as well. Uh, the other thing about this quote is he says, but we're going to have to talk about it soon. So gird, gird your loins reader. And again, that's where I mentioned before, where he, he addresses the, the reader. He, dress, he addresses you throughout the book and, and it just made it so much more personable. But I, I find that these types of things, they're either addressed in like a whole book, like you've got to spend a whole book talking about the hole in our hearts, or it's just not mentioned at all. And I, I just loved that it would just be woven in. I mean, this was less than a page of of text, but it was woven in, and it's just like, yeah, I I I agree I agree with that, or or I I see that in my own own life. And this was just one example, but but that was a really neat aspect of it as well. Just kind of calling out these these things that are common but unseen in our own lives. 
kind of ties back to that that thing I, I mentioned that he has incredible insight into U.S. culture. Like it, it's hard to see our own culture in unless you travel outside of it or you hear somebody speak about the culture. Like you just we're so enmeshed in it that it's hard to see. And so th- these types of things, it, it where we're completely numb to these these broken hearts or these these huge holes in our chests. Uh, it's just good to, to have that drawn out. Now I want to get into a few other things that really stuck out. And this, this is going to lead directly into my, my one thing about this book. And this was a distinction that Daniel makes between a God who listens and a God who speaks. And so I want to read different parts here and then, and then talk about this a little bit. King or queen reader. Uh, so let me back out of this quote for a minute. Again, he's addressing the reader, but he he calls he calls you a king or queen. It's just it's just funny. I, I love how he does that. So king or queen reader, this is a good place in the story to hold our breath. Would you rather a God who listens or a God who speaks? Be careful with the answer. A God who listens is like your best friend. A God who speaks is like your best teacher. There are gods all over the world who just want you to express yourself. Look inside and find whatever you think you are, and that's all it takes to be good. And there are gods who are so alien to us, with minds so clear, the only thing to do would be to sit at their feet and wait for them to speak to tell us what is good. A god who listens is love. A god who speaks is law. At their worst, the people who want a God who listens are self-centered. They just want to live in in the land of to do as you please. And the ones who want a God who speaks are cruel. They just want laws and justice to crush everything. I don't have an answer for you. This is the kind of thing you live your whole life thinking about, probably. Love is empty without justice. Justice is cruel without love. Oh, and in case it wasn't obvious, the answer is both. God should be both. If a God isn't, that is no God, end quote. I skipped around a lot just in, in that section, but uh, those were kind of the, the main parts of it that I wanted to pull out. And I, I, I lo- first, just at a basic level, I, I love this distinction. Uh, would you rather have a, or the question rather, would you rather have a God who listens or a God who speaks? And I, I just find that to be an interesting framework. First, just to think about uh, world religions or systems or or leader even leaders in your own life like or, or parents maybe like was your parent a did they did they speak or did they listen uh, kind of as their main mode and, and yes there's a little bit of both but for leaders or world religions is the is the main god in that religion someone who speaks like is it is it a teacher and the, there's only there's only information flowing one way and that's from the god to the people or is that god a listener where it's more kind of flipped around where the god is listening to people or is it a mix of both so just in terms of a a framework which i love picking out frameworks for books from books in which to apply to to other things and these frameworks are never perfect but they do just kind of give you a way to think about things and so at the very basic level of this i loved how it it just gives you a good framework in in the first the first place but second um let me read a few other quotes that come later after this section about would you rather have a god who listens or speaks and daniel says this reader i think he heard me i think he's a god who listens as if we are his most important children and i think he speaks to tell us so 
end quote. And then later on, he's talking about Saddam Hussein, and he said this, He was neither a god who spoke nor a god who listened. Like most kings, he was a god who only ever devoured, end quote. And if you're kind of wondering, you know, why, why, why this spiritual talk in this book, the book hinges in it, and it's, it's really interesting. It's almost at the exact middle of the book. There is a conversion, uh, first to Daniel's sister, where she becomes a Christian, uh, amidst just a, a horrid thing that happens to her. And then secondly, the, his mom becomes a Christian and that's a big problem in Iran, uh, in the sense of you would be killed for, for being a Christian and telling others about that and, and that sort of thing, which is kind of the reason that, uh, that leads to this refugee crisis and all that, but that, that the book hinges upon that thing. So this, this, this talk of God and, and, uh, Christianity later on, it it's, it's the focal point of this book. It's where everything hinges. And, and so he's kind of grappling with this, like a God who listens or speaks. Uh, what, what I loved though, so that, that was one part of it. What I loved though, is he ties this idea into the idea of, of reading with a God who listens or a God who speaks. So let me, let me read this part. Reading is the act of listening and speaking at the same time with someone you've never met but love. Even if you hate them, it's a loving thing to do. You speak someone else's words to yourself and hear them for the first time. What you're doing now is listening to me in the parlor of your mind, but also speaking to yourself, thinking about the parts of me that you like or the parts that aren't funny enough. You evaluate, you think and wrestle with every word, end quote. That was brilliant. And I love how he tied that together. So would you rather have the God who listens or the God who speaks? But then the very act of reading is a simultaneous act of listening and speaking. So you're listening, in this case, to Daniel, the author, but then you're speaking as well. And that tying together was, this is my one thing, just that that, uh, thinking of reading in that sense as well of both a listening and a speaking and and perhaps even a speaking to yourself and thinking about the parts of the author that that you like or you're evaluating and so you're there is this dialogue even though you're you may be sitting by yourself reading that book so it's a very cool way to think about it so the the overall framework of a god who listens god who who speaks you know kind of applying that to to people uh, systems, world religions, gods, all that. But then also this idea of, of when we're reading books, we're, we're doing this. Let me take a step back here and just talk, talk about the book as a whole. Uh, there are different ways to read, to, to write a memoir. You can just share your story. That could be one way. It's just kind of this happened then this happened. And what you what you're what you have to have in that case is a very compelling and, and interesting story, and I think this story would have fit the bill just if if Daniel had decided to write it that way of like you know here's here's how I grew up in Iran this is how uh, we we went from here to here but he wrote it in a completely different way he wrote it in in a way that wasn't just from him to to you speaking it was in a way that invited you in and it's a really unique way. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other books out there like this, but this was 
this was rare and unique just in that memoir space. I just think back to other memoirs I've read for this project. And, and I, I don't recall any others that have this sort of a format that, that draws you in. The other side of it was just connecting it to larger myths and stories and, and just addressing this question of what of the myths are true? What of, what, what of our own stories are true? Is it something, is it more true than, than what we think of as true, the, these myths? Can sad things actually become untrue? Is that, is that even possible? And, and how would that work out? And so part of this book is just, he's using the medium to expose the idea of how we view stories and, how, and, the, and the power of myth. And then he uses that manner of writing to give you hope amidst some of the really awful things that have happened in, in his life. And so it's almost a working out of the title of the book. Everything sad is untrue. But by seeing it at, at work in the author's life and in, 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 his, in his family, that doesn't mean that everything that is sad is untrue for him right now. But he, looking at it, taking a step out and, and looking at it, it, it's almost like this book was a work in progress showing how story is part of that process of everything sad being untrue or is untrue. And it just kind of gave you a glimpse of how that might be. I'm still working this out in my, in my head, but it, it the way it was written, the, the way it was put together, it, it was almost a working out of that title of the book. It, it is a conversation. It's, it's more, you feel like you're, you're having a conversation with Daniel, like you're sitting over a, a cup of coffee with him. And I, I loved that. So for it, it's first, it's a very exciting book. You should, you should read it just for that, uh, in, in, in amazing story. But then secondly, his manner of writing it is, is incredible. I want to close out with, uh, with a quote that he has at the very beginning of the book. So he's got three quotes before you even start reading. And this is one from the brothers Karamazov by uh, Dostoevsky. I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for that all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage, like the despicable fabrication of the impotent and infinitely small Euclidean mind of man. That in the world's finale, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments and for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, of all the blood they've shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that has happened, end quote. So that's kind of a working out of that. Everything sad is untrue. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you've read this book, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you got out of it. Maybe something that I completely missed. Maybe something that stuck out to you and you're still thinking about it uh, after having read it maybe a while ago. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter, and that's just at Books of Titans. And then go to, go to the website as well. I've got a lot of resources there just for picking books, choosing books, how to create a reading plan, that sort of a thing. I've, I've highlighted my great books list and the books that I'll be reading over the next uh, 10 years or so. And so you can follow along there as well. Please subscribe to the newsletter. That's where I send out a monthly newsletter just on 
what's going on, what I'm learning, and and uh, my hope there is just to to start a conversation and and to to talk about books that perhaps you have read as well. If if you do, uh, if you would like to email me about having read this book and, and just sharing thoughts, please email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. And that's Eric with a K, so E-R-I-K at booksoftitans.com. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out. <laughs>